JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Hey, welcome back. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, ESPN Radio, former writer covering the Colts. He is our friend, Mike Wells. I got a question for you. Can you make an argument that New Jack Swing is the best of R&B and or hip-hop any form that has kind of branched off uh, from R&B in this case, can New Jack Swing, especially the late 80s and early 90s, be considered the best of any of those branches? With, with, without a doubt. I, I would love for somebody to give me something better than that New Jack Swing era of the guy, the Keith Sweat, the Jodeci, uh, the Christopher Williams, the Troops. Uh, give me, give me, somebody tell me something better than what was going on. And, and listen, had R. Kelly not turned out to be crazy and doing stupid things, taking advantage of young women, I would put him in that category. But I've, I've banned myself from listening to R. Kelly uh, uh, of songs. But no, that was, and think about it, they transitioned from the, they did that 90s. It started with the new edition stuff in the 80s. Yep. Transition to that new Jack swing. Then you move on to the times of like uh, Jagged Edge and all those guys into the late 90s. That was a hell of a transition period when it came to R&B music. Yeah, I mean, all all of it just was was fantastic. You mentioned Troop. Um, yeah, Rex and Effect. Anything that Teddy Riley was a part of, whether it was Guy or Rex and Effect or Blackstreet, always turned out to be fantastic. I, I don't think we give it enough credit. That's why we're going to go hang out coming up in March at Gamebridge Fieldhouse and, and watch this right before us, Keith Sweat and Guy and New Edition. And we're going to love it. Can't wait. I mean, listen, we're coming up on a two-month mark from it. It, it seems like um, it was just three-plus months until we were going to get there. We are at basically near the near point of January. So uh, before we know it, it'll be March 24th because it is creeping up on us, brother. I'm assuming babies were created while listening to Make It Last Forever a great deal, starting back in late 1987. Think so? Man. Oh my goodness! We got a hey, there's, there's a lot of uh, 36, 37 year old kids right now in the world, and all of a sudden, their mom and daddy say that's and Keith Sweat comes on. Their mom and daddy think that was my jam back in the day, and the daddy looks at your mama, looks at the mama, and says, "You right about that?" No doubt. Not New Jack. New Jack is 
awesome, and that show is going to be great, too. We're good. We're good to go. I've checked in to Dion here, uh, Karen Vaughn, the great J.C. Culver from our North Campus here as well, and uh, we're going to be good to go coming up in late March. It's going to be a blast. I hope, I hope we see everybody down there, too, man. This is going to be a party. Hey, speaking of North Campus, what, hey, have you guys moved yet off the circle? Or are you still in the oh, circle? we're still here. Yeah, this is like the first time. First Friday, I think I've been here one Friday since July. This is the second Friday since July that I've been in studio here on a Friday. Why? Why are you in studio today? Why aren't you at uh, Twin Peaks or? Yeah, Hulu? I know, I know, I know. Yeah, well, the season ended, and you know, instead of the postseason, you get the uh, letter from Jim Irsay. It's all good, right? It's what we know this oh, team to my. be right now. No postseason, but a five-paragraph letter from the Colts owner to the fans about how. Uh, to paraphrase here, this ain't happening again kind of stuff, right? So, <laughs> hey, it, 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 I'll tell you, it beats being in front of the plane talking about all the chips in. Well, yeah. At least he he tamed it down a little bit. Yeah, he just kind of played off of that. Last year, you could be mad, and there was that convenient blame you could place on the shoulders of Carson Wentz. And and this year, it was just a masterpiece of a mess, and basically it was guided by the owner, right? I mean, it was guided by the owner, a masterpiece of a mess. They are the worst of the worst in the NFL right now. So you made a great point last year. The owner was able to basically blame everything on Carson Wentz. We know Carson was shipped off to the commanders. If you had to put in your in your order of blame, what is your who's your top three in order of blame? Uh, well, I mean, it always starts at the top, and Jim Irsay even said as much today. starts with him, so it is on him. It is on Chris Ballard. It was on Frank Reich. It's on the coaching staff, and it's it's on a, a team that, you know, never said that they lacked any enthusiasm, but it was tough to find it there late in the season. So it starts at the top with this thing, though, especially this year. I mean, getting in there and, you know, cutting those decisions like you did and, you know, forcing the hand of Ellinger. I know these aren't the biggest deals in the world now that you look back on it because they had so many embarrassing games trying to force in there Matt Ryan and then the Nick Foles games and stuff. But it all starts at the top with this mess. And, you know, now you get to start out 2023 knowing that a guy in Chris Ballard that um, has – had a maybe a a handful I mean not even a handful uh, a year or two that have been solid in terms of results you get another swing at it and he's going to get a chance to to swing at a new coach and you know more than likely your quarterback of the future which seems a little illogical to me I guess when you look at it I don't know about you it just it didn't seem right to me I thought that there was plenty of reason why you should be starting new in the general manager head coach and that quarterback capacity but Jim Mercer chose not to well listen I, we, I think we've all realized in all our years of being around Jim Irsay Jim Mercer is going to do what Jim Mercer wants whatever whatever Jim Mercer wants to do that's what's gonna that's what's going to happen and he has there, – there's a couple of things I find an issue with is that routinely Ursay, like, you know, you can try to track him down toward the end of the season outside the locker room. He's just kind of uh, outside of his sit-down for the Monday night game against the Chargers. He's been silent in talking to the media. I thought after this basically 
you know, a poo-poo show of a season. He would have talked last Sunday, especially how they lost, when they lost to the Texans to seal the disastrous season. But he's been he's been quiet, and I would love to hear his explanation. I know he said it tonight that Jeff Saturday was named interim coach on why that he, that Chris Bauer would be the general manager general general manager next season. I want to know now officially why that is the case. Considering the Colts, I don't think they won another game after he. Uh, they won one game after he made that comment on the night that Saturday was named interim. It's a Mike Wells of ESPN Radio with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Podline. Longtime coverer of the Colts and the Pacers. We'll get to the Pacers coming up in a minute and their uh, their new situation, at least for the next couple of weeks, starts tonight against the Hawks at Cambridge Fieldhouse. What, what do you think? What conclusion have you drawn as of this time, which be which would be the best way to move forward as they're looking for a head coach? And then if you're staked out at another f- number four coming up in the spring in that draft in round one, should they stay there? Should they move up? What do you think they should be doing here this offseason-wise with those two very important decisions? First, I'm going to work backwards. I think they do whatever it takes to move up to number one. I think there's I think there's a significant difference between well first of all the Houston Texans are going to take whatever quarterback doesn't go number one whether it's C J Stroud or, or or Bryce Young if I'm the coach I'm doing whatever it takes to move up to number one to take um, hopefully Bryce Young I think you really you can't sit here and say well we we, we took the uh, you know the you know the Kentucky kid at number four so we we addressed the quarterback situation he's the most un uh, He's the most unproven of the three. I think if you're that serious about getting a um, franchise quarterback, you move up to number one, try to get Bryce Young. And I know Ballard says he loves his draft picks. This is one time where you say, hey, we will give up draft picks, potentially players, to get that number one pick to hopefully solve um, the revolving door quarterback. Here's so that, what – yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, yeah, here's what's interesting too, and and there's nothing concrete here, but this is just a lot of um I guess you would call it Twitter yip yap and and I just saw it inside the lounge via YouTube Live. They're talking about it as well. As there is there's been some conversation, some rumor that CJ Stroud might possibly return to Ohio State. I mean, again, nothing concrete. That's not what I'm sitting here and expecting whatsoever, but that would I think throw a wrench into it because I agree with you, Mike. I, I think that you want to give yourself all the options here, right? You want to have the most options to move forward with the best quarterback in this draft for the longer term future. And I think that's what you have to do, pair something up and and give something up to Chicago. We'll see if they end up doing that. But C.J. Stroud is the guy I like more than anybody else. I like C.J. Stroud more than I do Bryce Young, certainly more than I do Will Levis. Maybe that changes with the combine and pro days, but that's how I feel right now. And let's just say if any of this rumor stuff is true, that would throw a major wrench, you would have to think, into things. Holy cow, because then you're, you're, then you're competing against the Texans for that number one pick. You're competing against them because, the, you know, it's obvious they need a quarterback too. Yeah, If C.J. Stroud were to stay at Ohio State, Man, I'm happy. I would be happy if I'm the Chicago Bears that Stroud stays because they're going to be able to sit there and hold that pick as ransom and get whatever the hell they want out of it. I, why? Why do you like Stroud better than uh, Bryce Young? Um, you know, and again, I've said this, and there's there's not a a great deal 
not a great deal of experience of seeing him do what he did against Georgia, but it's basically that game. And it's unfair of me to, to make that judgment. Like, it's unfair of me to make that judgment, I think, you know, with Will Levis in mind uh, against teams like Georgia this past year when you watched him. But the way I watched Stroud against Georgia in that game, against what is a a top-notch, as we saw, back-to-back national championship team. And even though they lost all of that defensive talent to the draft, still a high-caliber, high-quality defense, moving around, making pinpoint throws. And again, you can make the argument, best wide receivers in the country he has at Ohio State. People want to argue Ohio State quarterbacks, historically speaking, don't make a high impact at the NFL. All that could be true, but when I watched him against Georgia, I absolutely love what I watched, and I thought that that would fit together with all these needs. This Colts team has a quarterback like a glove. Yeah, and so I would, you make, the reason why I'm leery of Stroud Props to him. I, I, again, what he did against Georgia, props to him. Uh, I, I, I'm basing it off the history of Ohio State quarterbacks. I'm like, when is the last time Ohio State has, has gotten a quarterback that has really, really done things? And I, and, I, and that's a legitimate question. I'm not being a smart ass off of it. I'm just curious. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. When it's a, a Ohio State Well, everybody's leaning on Justin Fields now, for example. So everybody's leaning on him. That's, that's most recent. Yeah. But, no, I mean, listen, there's there's no doubt of history. I'm, I'm just looking in the now. I'm, I'm looking at this guy in the now and for what you need in this draft. As far as his skill set, from what I saw, I think against a great example, the closest example you're going to see to NFL caliber talent, I thought it was fantastic. So, I mean, you can make an argument about Bryce Young. There's nothing against him at all. I mean, he's obviously navigated through the SEC. He's still right there, too. But I do. I like Stroud more than anybody right now. Yeah. Hey, what about on the, on the, on the head coaches? We've seen the names that who have interviewed already. I got to tell you, this is what bothers me. Bubba Ventrone gets that gets the interview, in-house candidate. I just baffled on why he didn't get the interim job in the first place. Yeah, because the mean, owner wanted Jeff Saturday. Yeah, that's why. Yep. Yeah, the owner wanted, but but then if I'm Bubba, I'm like, hold on. I know I want to be a head coach in the NFL, but you wouldn't even give me the interim job. Yeah, he, he probably not saying he probably not saying that because he's Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coach, and. Jim Irsay's the owner, but no, I mean, it, it, there was no chance because that, the reason why they made that move, that's what Jim Irsay wanted at that moment, and nobody was going to change his mind, including Chris Ballard. God, man, that just, yeah, that just, uh, on the outside looking in, I'm just like, that screwed up. You didn't want to give him the job because the owner, like you said, won a Saturday, but now you're saying, okay, yeah, Bubba, we think you're, you know, potentially could be head coaching. You could be potential head coach for us. So we'll look at your interview. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how to look at it. I don't know if you look at it like if you look at it like, well, at least you know now that by by the results that he's not the guy. Or I don't know if you look at it right now thinking, well, this team is going to be crap anyway. Look what he had to deal with being thrown in that. Um, how do you know that he's is not the guy considering what he had to deal with? And I know more people are siding against he's not the guy, but I think you can make arguments on on both sides of that and again if you're Jim Irsay and you wanted to see Jeff Saturday coach long term and I mean next year if you're going to go ahead and pull that rabbit out of your hat in the offseason that's when you should have done it instead of doing it during the midseason and watch all this this stuff get flushed right down the toilet and then the court of public opinion completely turn against Jeff Saturday which clearly has happened 
Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. If for some reason Ursay, you know, if, if Ballard says, okay, Jeff Saturday's not the guy, and Ursay says, hey, we're going to make him a long-term answer, man, Lucas Oil Stadium could be pretty damn empty next season, I think, in my opinion. I don't think how you can t- – I don't think how the fans will say, okay, yeah, we're going to come support this team outside of a complete, you know, ro- roster overhaul to upgrade and keep the key positions where fans want to come out and support the Colts if that were to happen. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio, friend of the show, longtime coverer of the Colts. We'll get to the Pacers coming up in a minute. You mentioned the coach, and, and you started to ask who I liked. And I've been kind of obvious with this. It is certainly – to me, the hard target of, of Jim Harbaugh. I kind of feel like I'm, I'm just kind of sitting on an island and and hoping uh, that I hear something about Harbaugh, like uh, you, know, you know Tom Hanks, and get rescued here. And it's just simply not going to happen. You hear a bit and a piece, like Jeremy Fowler had something, and and you wonder if the Colts had any interest whatsoever. My God, with the way that leakage happens right now among NFL circles. Wouldn't we've already heard about it a little bit? It just seems like either they haven't talked yet anything legitimately, or this is like one of the best kept secrets around here of all time. And I would probably go uh, with that first choice there, to be honest. It just doesn't seem like that there's much there. Maybe I'm hoping a little bit too much. I don't think there's much. I don't. I, I would have to think that there's not much there, especially based off the fact of first of all, Harbaugh's not doing anything right now. Maybe outside of. If they're allowed to recruit or whatever, which I get some kids in the Travis portal, and the Colts are announcing when they have conduct interviews, and there has been it has been straight crickets on that front of things right now. You're not you're not hearing a peep about Jim Harbaugh when it comes to the the, the Colts and the head coaching search, and um, so. Why? Why you just think Harbaugh's the best candidate? Do you think you know? Do you think? Well, I think he's. I think he's the absolute coaches? best for this situation. This situation requires a lot. It requires a good coach, um, with a stern hand, somebody that I think has had results at the NFL level, and maybe most importantly in all of this, at least to me, somebody that the owner would trust to get the hell up out of the way and fade into the background and let that coach. And I'm assuming his general manager being Chris Ballard, do their work and not meddle, not intervene as he did this past year. I think Jim Harbaugh brings all of those above qualifications to what is just an incredible mess here. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he does. Because uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Harbaugh, did Harbaugh do anything in the front office with the 49ers, or was he just- was he strictly just a head coach? Well, he got in a fight with Trent Baalke, I think, while he was there. Oh, I think yeah. they, they had a bit of a back and forth, and that, that didn't go well. So, I, don't get me wrong, he's going to have a shelf life. We know a lot of coaches, especially those that are hardcore and maybe in this case a little bit wacky, he's going to have a shelf life. I just consider Jim Harbaugh what is best suited head coaching-wise for this team right now, and that's nothing against you know, a guy like Ben Johnson who's an offensive coordinator and supposed to be this in, incredible smart guy and a future great head coach or nothing against a guy that's already done it once at a very young age, Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator of the Rams, Eric Bieniemy who has yet to be given a shot, you know, with all those great results in Kansas City as the OC, never had a shot, nothing against those guys. I'm just talking about the qualifications that is necessary to get through this absolute mess right now as a head coach. 
I think Jim Harbaugh, and I hate saying checking the boxes of it all, but I think he he is the guy that is qualified for each and every category that's necessary. Yeah, hey, you just you just gave a hell of a sales pitch on why he would fit in. It's, it's very unfortunate, especially the fact that Ballard said on Tuesday that this this coaching search would take could take a while potentially. That he does not. I would interview as many people as possible to make sure. You don't flum, flum, you know, flum, um, make it too flimsy because this franchise is at a point that it is has not seen in who knows how long, and they cannot afford to continue to fumble, bumble, and stumble along the way after what has happened the last couple of years. And no doubt, people around here are tired of it, tired of it. And you know, you get this the letter sent from from Jim Irsay with I'm sure the the greatest of intentions but people just go oh great you know another video oh great another letter oh wait a minute we only really heard from you after the last time you know that you won we only hear from you from the good times and now you know here's the letter about I'm going to tirelessly you know give effort I, I, I just to me I'm not suggesting that um Everything I say is right. I just think I am certainly right as far as what is necessary here as a head coach. So, and and disappointed that you know you you pin that letter, Mike. You pin that letter and talk about what is going on with your organization, but you keep hanging around the general manager that has been an integral part of this for the past six years. I mean, I, it, it seems like that it's a bit of a mixed message with the fans out there, to say the least. Yeah, boy, I can't, I can't wait for that press conference when they announce a new head coach, and somebody in the media um, asked Jim Mercy why Chris Bowers is still general manager. Because I got, I got to give, I got to give some of the media props. I, I, I listened to the press conference, bits and pieces of it, um, on on a, on a Tuesday, and. Uh, the Zach Keepers and stuff, those guys really, they were not trying to let Chris Ballard off the hook easily on what was going on. So I give them credit for, you know, pressing the issue. And I'm sure they'll ask the same question once, once um, the new head coach is named. Well, Chris was savvy and calculated. That's what you, when the first thing, and I, I mean, there was nothing else to say. But when you come out and say, I I have failed, I have failed, I mean, you do. You uh, you take a little bit of the juice of th- those harsher question possibilities out of the mix when you come out of the gate and you say that. And that is that is what a, a savvy talker does, for lack of a better description. That's exactly what he did Tuesday. Yeah, oh, 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 oh that, was, that was very well played when he said, I failed. Yeah. Oh, he... Um... Oh, he knew, he knew what the hell he was doing right there. Matt Conti and the boys did a great job making sure he was he was very well uh, situated to prepare for that, uh, for what was going to be coming. All right, Pacers, moving forward at least for the next two weeks, Mike, without Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, man. All right, we'll, I haven't seen yet. I don't know about Miles back. Get rid of those back spasms. Get our guy back in the lineup tonight against Atlanta. Uh, two weeks, so the better part of two weeks. Hopefully, it uh, is on the short end of that, and everything is okay. Without Tyrese Halliburton, how do you think this thing is going to look? Man, it. it um, I don't know. I, I I don't know because the thing is, what, what were the pages down like? What twenty five or so to the Knicks the other night, and then they made it interesting yeah. in the fourth quarter. Right. Their 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 effort is going to allow them to win some games that probably. Some people don't think they would win without without Halliburton and stuff. But I think when it's all said and done, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle. 
for them to uh, try to, to uh, you know, stay afloat for these next two weeks. But you never know. Because what, I think the one thing we've seen about this Pacer team is that they are scrappy. They will compete no matter what. They're not going to quit, and they're not going to. There's not going to be too many nights where they have the type of performance where you're like, these boys just didn't show up. Here's the problem that you have, and believe me, you're going to have this issue with or without Tyrus Halliburton. But it's certainly more magnified without him. Atlanta tonight, which is an absolute must to get them, as you did a couple of weeks ago. Here, you get Memphis tomorrow night, which tomorrow is going to be night. beyond tough. And then you go on the road for four at Milwaukee, which by the way, I get to take a break on Monday because that's an afternoon affair on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So I'm going to get a break and they're going to play Milwaukee in Milwaukee on Monday. OKC that scores a buttload of points. They are all hey, offense hey. all the time. And then Denver and Phoenix after that on the road. That is a tough look right there, Mike. Yeah, and and OKC went into Philly and put up they did. I think, 130, 133 they did. last night against the 76ers. So um, they got Nate and the Patriots are better play some defense. And you talk about, not that there's ever a good time for a good player to get injured, uh, but this is not a good time for you, for you, for a good player to get injured. But again, um, four, you know, what, four, six, six tough games. You know, Atlanta, Atlanta's trying to stay in the mix of things. Uh, but I, I think they'll find a way to win some that we probably think they're going to lose, especially at a, on that four-game road trip. Gilgus Alexander for OKC put up 37 last night, too. He's a scoring machine. They they just put up big numbers offensively. Yeah. I, and, and you, you, and you I don't know, we'll like, five guys on their team either. That's the other aspect. Well, and, and that's what I was about to say. Everybody, <laughs> everybody forgot about – Everybody forgot about OKC once he started cleaning house, got rid of uh, Westbrook, and then Paul left. Everybody forgot about OKC, but um, what's my boy's name, the GM, Presty? Presty? Yeah, Sam Presty. Yeah, he's got 1,000 draft picks in the first round coming up in the next seven years. Yeah, he finds a way to get things and make things um, to try to keep OKC in the mix. And like you said, we know the game. People so people will watch you if you're going to score a lot of points. If you suck still, people will watch you if you score a lot of points. Yeah. Not, I mean, they have, at least this season, offensively speaking, have turned it into um, a, a more than decent watch uh, to do that. I mentioned Gilgus Alexander. Josh Giddy. I think he was a second-year young player, about 20 out of Australia. Yeah, they look really good in beating, actually thumping the 76ers with Joel Embiid, by the way, in the lineup. Last night, got that done. All right, hey, a, a, a go ahead. Twenty point win, man. A Twenty yeah. point win. Yeah, impressive. What you got going on this weekend? How's my girl? Man, she's doing. She's doing good. Uh, good start to the uh, middle school season. Shout out to the Brownsburg East Middle School girls. Off to a four and zero start. Uh, man, hey, you got the JV takeover tomorrow night, man. I do. Man, normally I try to catch you off and on if I'm in the car. We're going head to head tomorrow night, brother. What's happening? We're we're going. Oh wait a minute! You on ESPN Radio tomorrow night? I'm on ESPN Radio from seven to ten tomorrow night. So uh, we are going head to head, and those who love the music will be listening to music, and hopefully those who love sports will be chiming in and listening to uh, me on um, Sirius XM channel channel eighty. What would the uh, lovely Layla be listening to? Well, listen. It depends on the day. Well, usually she's mad at me these days, so she's she's taking she's taking the homie JMV six out of seven days a week. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow will probably be one of those days where she rolls with you because she is all about JMV and she cannot wait to see Laney and Grace and, and Kennedy and the crew on January thirtieth 
here in Brownsburg. Oh, Let's yeah. That's, this way. that's coming up, too. I think we're 2-0, and I think. They played last night at Lyndhurst. Well, the Lyndhurst Middle School feeds into Ben Davis, I think. So nice night. I bet yes. Listen, she she was upset when they played the other Brown the other Center Road Middle School last Saturday that it wasn't the uh Laney and the crew. She thought it was gonna be them, but hopefully it's a five thirty game. I know you're on the air. Yeah. Uh, can we talk to the bosses to see if you can uh, <laughs> yeah. take the night off? I don't know. Swing on over to Brownsburg. Some days it may be better off if I'm here. <laughs> well, I, try, I trust yeah, me. If, if Laney's if Laney is listening right now, I'm pretty I'm pretty darn sure she's telling me to shut up and say I want my dad at work. Leave him at work. I don't need I don't need to hear after a missed shot. Maybe you ought to take Laney to the eye doctor after this game. <laughs> she doesn't oh, want to hear that. Yeah, I think you oh, need glasses. Man. You know, and then she is so awesome. I was playing, and she I actually took her to the gym for an open gym, and I, I shot one and missed. And she said, I think you need glasses. And it was just such a great get back to me. I love it. I love it when she gives uh-huh. it right back. I love me some Laney, but hey, brother, hey, have a great weekend, man, and uh, enjoy, actually, you know what, enjoy the three-day weekend. Ah, yeah, and ESPN Radio for Mike Wells tomorrow night, nationally, ESPN Radio. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. To the Hoosiers, Don Fisher with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hello, Don. How are you? I'm good, John. I apologize. I I, I was waiting for your phone call and didn't come for like two or three or about five fifteen or so, and then I, I decided to go elsewhere. But because I didn't know, I mean, I knew you guys were trying to call me or were going to try and call me, but I my phone has been acted up today, and I don't, I'm not even sure if you can understand what I'm saying now. No, we got you. We got you loud and clear. First thing, I want to know where you are right now. Well, I'm literally on my way home, so I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm down here in Greenwood. But uh, like I said before, I I was I, that's why I said be on my cell today because I know I'd be in the car. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I did not. It never rang, and I never got cut off from anything on the radio through my Bluetooth. So oh, I don't know what's no. going on. Yeah, all good. All good. Just drive carefully, and we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about IU and what is really a monster game for them tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock against Wisconsin. On to that in a second. But the last three, it seemed to all kind of fade. And I know that Ray Thompson's injury, obviously, in the Iowa game and Xavier Johnson being out is playing a role. You know that. But it all started the downhill slide at Carver-Hawkeye in that second half and hasn't gotten any better in the last two. What, what, what uh, with this team right now at the top of the list of things that is affecting them to the point to where these last three have looked the way they have? Well, I think they're not playing hard enough at this point, and and I say that even though we've got X and, and Race out, but I think I think Race's exit um, in that Iowa ball game, for whatever reason, really affected these guys psychologically, and I'm sure that X's you know injury as well affected them mentally to some degree. But I think they felt like they could overcome that with the practices that they've had, those kinds of things leading up to that game. When he went out, I don't know what happened there exactly from a mental perspective, but you're right. They haven't played the same way 
since the first half of the Iowa ball game. They've played the same way each and every time they've played since then, and it's not been a good, uh, a good experience for them because obviously they're not beating anybody at this point. And one game against, um, you know, uh, the game really against uh, Northwestern, I think, just basically solidified the fact that they are in a major mind warp right now. And I don't know how they get out of it because they've, in the last three games, all losses, they have given up an average of almost 87 points a game. That's just not the defensive team we saw a year ago or even most of this season until all of a sudden we've had these problems here of late. And I don't know what the answer is, John, and I'm not a coach. I'm not a psychologist. I just know this team does not look the same. No, it doesn't. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU Wisconsin, coming up at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Downstairs, 93 WIBC, underway with your pregame at noon. And you talk about the defense being disappointing. We saw them give wide-open looks early in that game from distance to Northwestern. That really fired up Northwestern and got them off the mark. And then inexplicably, with a game plan that states what Penn State wants to do, and Don's phone, I think, just hung up right there. Inexplicably, knowing what Penn State wants to do from three, letting them get off the mark and have so many step into wide-open three-point looks on Wednesday night, it just, you can't help but ask yourself, all right, players not playing hard enough, okay, are they being coached of the game plan that says this is what you need to do, this is what you have to do? That's what's been problematic. And 1 o'clock coming up tomorrow, Don Fisher rejoins on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I mean, Northwestern got that kickstart on Sunday early from distance, and then Penn State, that's what they do, and got to do it with relative ease. It kind of makes you wonder what these guys are thinking about, what they know about these teams they're playing, especially Penn State. That was mind-numbing on Wednesday night. It was. There's no question about it, John. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the problem is. I know Mike is, and his coaching staff are really flustered at this point and frustrated by what's going on. Uh, the inability to execute what the coaches are asking them to do uh, is just mind-boggling because they've done it before, and, they've, and most of them have been around. Obviously, Malik and, and um, Jalen Hood-Chafino have not been, but the rest of these guys have been around the program for a while, and I don't know that the teaching's any different than it was a year ago or anything like that. I mean, there's only been one change of the coaching staff. So it's basically the same program. And the only emphasis this year, a little bit more so than it was a year ago, is on the offensive game plan. And for the most part, that's been pretty good. I mean, they've got more guys shooting threes now and they're making them. Um, obviously, Miller Cop's still not taking as many as he should. And I'm telling you the way, uh, Trey Galloway is shooting it in practices and and every time he's been shooting it in games, he needs to start shooting a bit more, too, from that three-point line. But I'm just talking about right now about the rest of the game, the defensive struggles that they're having, stopping straight-line drives, keeping the ball in front of them. Yeah, and, and the other thing, Don, you mentioned the offense. It doesn't seem like the defenses are given right now the way this team lines up. We're giving much of a look. Uh, of uh, concern outside of of Trace and outside of 
Hood Shafino. You know what I mean? It, it seems like, right. and that's and that's to your point about Galloway or anybody else really. If you could just get some sort of individual offensive step up, where it is clear the other defenses really aren't that dialed in, other than two guys. Yeah, and and I don't I don't know what the answer is there. Like I, I John, I've told you this a million times. I've been happy on the show for a number of years now, and I don't know an X from an O. I just know what I see on the floor and what I've seen in the past, and this isn't resembling that. Um, and I think these coaches got their work cut out for them right now uh, because I think it's more mental than it is anything else. And if these guys have given up the ship because they've lost two players then we're not looking at the kind of mindset that we would expect from an Indiana basketball team. Yeah, that's when I heard Mike say, I think it was the uh, after the Northwestern game, when he was asked about the defense and he had mentioned, well, you know, you can look down the bench and there are two guys that are playing. That probably wasn't the greatest thing to say to other guys who you want to play defense and, and haven't to this point, right? I mean, you, you kind of – I would expect him to probably say something different and not give the excuse, well, these guys are out and this is why this this defense is not as good as it should be. Because you mentioned it at the beginning. There's so much of it about effort. And I know that that's easy to say, but you can see it. And you've certainly seen it in these last two. Yeah, I mean, playing hard is the only thing most coaches ask of any player. Obviously, they want you to execute the game plan, but the first priority to doing that is playing hard and working at it. And I just don't see that right now. And and I don't. I'm not saying that all of these guys are are not playing hard, but there are several that are not. And I don't know if they're confused. Maybe they do not understand what their assignments are, their role is. But playing hard is pretty simple, and it's pretty easy to understand when a coach asks you to play hard and to play with intensity. And we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that intensity level, and we've talked about this ad nauseum as well. The intensity intensity level they go out into ball games with, at home or away these days, is just not good enough. They just do not look like they are as engaged as they should be. And again, I, that's maybe it's on the coaches. I, I don't know, but at the same time. I can't believe that these guys aren't telling them exactly what I'm telling you right now because I, I guarantee you, everybody I've talked to says, hey, we're talking about this stuff all the time. And you know what's, what's even more interesting about that is Don Fisher joins us is you, you don't want to see anybody get injured. You don't want to see your teammates get injured. But when they go down and you're thinking about guys on this team that have a resume playing at a high level in the past, seem like you'd be chomping at it to want to get in there and just go, as I put it in GC, go balls out on it. And you haven't seen that part either. There's just been no step up even with that, uh, with some high-level guys coming out of high school, which, yeah, it, it just either is maddening, confusing, both, I guess, at this point. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. It's confusing as heck. I don't understand it. Uh, I know the coaches are struggling with it. Uh, the players, obviously, are de- having to deal with it as well. Um, I-, I can't imagine that if they go into this Wisconsin ball game tomorrow and can't execute the game plan, they're going to get murdered. Because you know as well as I do, Wisconsin runs a system, (laughs) and that system doesn't vary. You're going to get exactly what the coaches set you up, what you have to do, and if you don't execute it against these guys, they will make you pay virtually every time down the floor. They try to shorten the game by taking as much time on the shot clock as they possibly can, and uh, it's just a really good program. And, And they may not have the best athletes in the world, but I tell you what, they run their system 
as well as any team in the country does, and that's why each and every year Wisconsin's in the top three or four teams in the league. I know you couldn't tell on Sunday, and maybe it was the noon start. I don't know. But you talk about a team tomorrow at 1 o'clock that will need the extra enthusiasm and energy that it can soak up from that crowd. That seems also to be necessary. Just outside the level of basketball, it obviously needs to be better. It just seems like a, a good, loud, into it, energetic crowd would be necessary to try to get these guys up off the mat a little bit tomorrow. Well, I hope so. I mean, right now, there's not been much to cheer about of late. And and three games into the Big Ten second portion of the season, I say that because they had played two games back in December. But, um, you know, three games into the January uh, schedule, this team can't afford to have a fourth or a fifth ball game in a row uh, go down the tubes. And if that happens, you can just about write off any chances of winning a Big Ten. Well, you can write that off, first of all, almost right now. But just to be in the hunt and, and to compete, the, those things are going bye-bye if this team can't respond here in the next couple of ball games. And no doubt. Wisconsin tomorrow at 1 at Illinois next Thursday. Michigan State on a Sunday at Minnesota on a Wednesday. And, yeah, tomorrow is is of ultra importance. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, noon start tomorrow for you and the crew, correct, down in Bloomington? Yeah. Yeah, we're on the air at 12 noon, and our tip is, of course, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. John, as always, uh, having a 1 o'clock game is just like heaven. <laughs> <laughs> How you feel? You feeling okay? I noticed you had a little bit of uh, – you're you're battling some stuff the other night, certainly yeah. when I was listening. Well, I hung around Larry, Dr. Rink uh, for a couple of bus rides, you know, about a week ago, and he was coughing up a storm, and naturally I picked up his germs. Come on, Doc. And, uh, and, and and you know and he and he had a he had a mask on part of the time, <laughs> but it didn't. I told him I said you know what, everything I've heard about masks if they don't work it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you cough, cough in your vicinity and then you you end up with it. I honestly I was thinking about you listening the other night because you go all the way. One of the worst places I'm assuming to go is where you went Wednesday on the road midweek or like that, and then to to be able to call that type of performance. Yeah, it probably didn't muster too much energy when you weren't feeling great in the first place. So well, if you heard my post game commentary with coach woodson you probably if you listen to that if you went that far into the broadcast you found out very quickly that i was really a frustrated dude and it sounded like it on the air the front if- two or three folks that know me well go that was not good wait <laughs> were people getting out of your way after at the end of that game hey giving you a wide berth where they done a little bit <laughs> Yeah, well, there, there weren't enough people around me to worry about. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, man. I did. I wondered listening. Anyway, noon tomorrow, 1 o'clock to start from Bloomington. That's downstairs, 93 WIBC. They have the call where uh, Don and Eric and John have it for me uh, from uh, Simon Scott Assembly Hall in Bloomington with uh, Wisconsin and IU. Hey, thanks for hanging in there and coming on. Feel better. You're going to wake up and you're going to be invigorated tomorrow morning, get a little nice drive it'll take you because you're heavy-footed about five minutes to get down to bloomington and big time turnaround for iu a little feel good on a saturday for you at one o'clock tomorrow we're gonna look forward to that john i'm gonna i'm gonna hold you to it (laughs) (laughs) wait we get dinner i got dinner at shallows on me if it doesn't turn out that way tomorrow okay 10-4 all right buddy hang in there we'll see you see you john 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. He's got Indiana Sports Talk tonight, tomorrow night. Going to keep you up to date because there is more than an armload of high school basketball, both girls and boys going on, and especially in and around the area. Let Bob Lovell figure all that out for you coming up later on tonight and tomorrow night around this great state of Indiana. He joins us thanks to our 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. CarX.com to serve you today. Are you ready to go? Uh, yeah, I am. So, <laughs> this is a great time of year. How can you not be ready to go? Yeah. So, it's perfect. we got a lot of games. we got pairing show Sunday. We have Marion County Tourney and other tourneys. So uh, girls are ramping up the regular season. And, yeah, you, 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 need, you better be ready to go. Do you see where uh, Taven Jackson, by the way, before we start out on basketball, the former Center Grove quarterback, is in the transfer portal? A lot of uh, mention maybe getting back here and doing something with Tom Allen down in Bloomington. A little bit of that mention, at least rumor mention right now. Thoughts? Uh, I think that, number one, I'm, I'm not surprised when anyone goes in the uh, transfer portal. Yes. Secondly, if, uh, if in fact, um, you know, they, they recruited him hard uh, out of Center Grove, uh, I think it'd be fantastic. I think he, um, he's a tremendously talented athlete. Had great success, obviously, at Center Grove, and if they're fortunate if it's if in fact he is interested and they're able to get him. I think it'd be tremendous. Would you have gone into the transfer portal back when you were a player? Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it, it's. Uh, I, I'm not exactly. I don't think I would. Number one, I think uh, people have lost sight of the fact that I remember. You know, all my recruiting days as an assistant, as a head coach, uh, especially as a head coach, I would I would look at mom and dad and a kid and say, um, "Do not make this decision based only on basketball. To, to pick a school where you're going to you know feel comfortable, they're going to treat you well, you're going to get a great education." Uh, I would try to explain to them that some of the major life. Uh, some of the biggest events in your life are going to happen to you when you're in college. And so you want to pick the right place. You, you, you're possibly going to find um, that spouse. You know, a lot of people go to college and meet their husbands or wives. You know, it's going to ultimately impact that first job and your career and what you're going to do. And so you can't be single-minded in terms of making that decision. Now, having said that, nobody listened. Uh, my own daughter didn't listen. She, ended up, she went to Indiana State to start out with. Because she made the cheerleader squad. I told her, I said, you know, I said, I sit every day and talk to moms and dads and you're doing exactly what I tell them not to do. And here's my own child going ahead and do it. So, um, look, you're in the, it's a a different world, different day and age. I show my age in these kinds of discussions. Um, Things aren't going well, but think about it, John. It's an AAU world. It's an AAU culture. You don't like uh, your AAU coach. You don't get enough touches. You don't. You're not the man. You find a different AAU team. Same thing in this. Same thing in high school. You don't like your high school coach. He's not giving you the the ball enough. You're not. You're not the man with 20 seconds on the clock. You got your feelings hurt. You're transferring. You're leaving a high school, going to another high school. So why would we think that it's going to be any different when you go to college? And it created literally a free agency. Our whole world's about free agency, if you stop and think about it. 
if you think about, you know, when you're dating somebody and your girlfriend cuts you loose, your buddies are calling you a free agent. So the, whole, the concept of free agency permeates our entire culture. So why why would it not be part of what's happening in college athletics? I think I chose my schools uh, with regard to where I felt I had the best opportunity to find a date. <laughs> or, or best bars. <laughs> I, ended up, I ended up in Terre Haute. Maybe I can find one over here. Here I am. So there you go. Well, you know what? Uh, it, that's, just, that's the nature uh, of the game, John. <laughs> yes, it is. Marion County semifinals tonight over at Southport. Pike yeah, and yeah. Lawrence North, Ben Davis and Southport. Listen, these are going to be great games, but I just want them to loosen up those rims when I'm playing there on Sunday morning. So that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I thought a shooter like you didn't worry about rims <laughs> like that. Tight, you know? tight, tight rims aren't any fun. Tight uh, rims aren't fun. Uh, <laughs> here in the twilight of your career, <laughs> there's no doubt. Soft rims. No <laughs> doubt. But no, great <laughs> semifinals at Southport yeah. tonight. No, they really are. You know, Pike is just going out there and Bill Zick. Uh, somehow every year puts together good teams. Uh, they're not as big or as, as quick as they've been in the past. They just go out there and, and do what you're supposed to do. I think the prohibitive favorites, Ben Davis, I mean, Don Carlisle's team is really, really, really good. They're talented, strong, quick, uh, get to the rim. Uh, it's hard to score against them. Um, Eric Brand, I think, has a group of guys who, who have played them tough the first time they played. Uh, so, you know, LN is a different group now, obviously without Jack and they're not as big and strong as they used to be. They're, they maybe the tallest starter, something like six, three, six, four, but they play you, they play well and they're used to winning. And so semis of the Mary County tourney are always like, uh, you know, what regional, uh, type, uh, atmosphere and level of play, quite frankly. And Johnson County, you got. CG and oh, yeah. Whiteland tonight, I believe Greenwood and Franklin are that other semifinal, right. Bob. Well, you know, uh, since I've lived here for a hundred years, uh, it's always fun. Uh, Senator Grove is just playing great basketball. I mean, Zach Hans done a marvelous job with that group, and they've they've won some close ones. They're playing very very well. Uh, Franklin's struggling right now. Um, Whiteland has uh, and shown some uh, flashes of being able to go, but I think. Trojans right now might be the prohibitive favorites in this one. Uh, rest of the schedule tonight, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, is going to have all the conversations, all the scores, and all the interviews for you coming up later on tonight for those two semifinals in both Johnson and Marion counties. And then, of course, what's going on around the state. I'm telling you, if there is not, or if you can find a better game than Fishers and Brownsburg tonight, good luck. That seems like a heck of a matchup over in Hendricks County this evening, Bob. Oh, it is. I mean, it, it really is. Uh, Brownsburg uh, will guard you. Uh, some incredibly talented perimeter guys who can make shots, get to the rim, make some things happen. Uh, Fishers has played very, very well. They both played tremendous schedules. Um, it's, a, it's a great game at this particular time of year. I mean, you get a little bit more. You find out a little bit more about yourselves and what you're uh, what you're doing and. Uh, we're at a time of the year, John, where you know we, we're back in school after the holidays, and you can, you're focusing on basketball. You're making that uh, month, month and a half run to the tournament. The girls' pairing show, as I mentioned, is Sunday. Uh, that seems impo- it's impossible, but Greg Raystraw and I are going to be doing that again, thanks to the IHSAA, and we'll be at their headquarters next Sunday from five until seven. 
but it's just insane how this is going, how quickly it's going. And there are still, you know, great girls teams out there, especially here in central Indiana. We're blessed to have some unbelievably talented young ladies. And so I think both tournaments are going to be tremendous. Yeah, and I see G's playing really well. I think um, who uh, is Noblesville still pretty good this year, I believe, right, too? If you go down. Zionsville's playing, playing awfully, awfully well. You know, so if you go down that list, that particular section is going to be tremendous. So. Uh, it's uh, yeah. it's fun. Uh, I applaud the great hard work of, of our coaches, uh, the young ladies. This is a uh, we talk about you know a lot of uh, big time power conference programs recruit our, our boys basketball players. Same thing is true, absolutely true on the girls side. So uh, people know where they can go to find tremendous. Uh, student-athletes who know the game of basketball. When I see him, I like to make fun of the fact that Mike Armstrong is back down at Franklin with a pretty good squad down there. Again, I like to make fun of that. Well, you know what? He's, you, I've known him as, as long as you have. Uh, he's great He's great for the game. There's no question. Great for the girls. And not coincidentally, wherever he is, uh, his teams win games. Right. And so, you know, same is true. And uh, we're pretty proud of what they're doing right now. Uh, you mentioned Zionsville, Noblesville, also on the boys' schedule tonight, too. Harrison and Kokomo, Lutheran, Cecina. Um, down down in the southern portion of the state, Lagodian Bar-Reeve is always a humdinger. <laughs> Josh doesn't have the type of team with Bar-Reeve this year that he has in recent years. I think Lagodi's even better this year, but that's Ligoti always is- a fantastic matchup. Well, if you're not already there, you're not getting a seat. Exactly. You know this. I mean, and I, it's not a cliche. It's it's the truth. Um, they're both good. Uh, they're both made, you know, like you said, uh, Ryan Haywood's kids are playing much, much better at this time of year. Josh has had some uh, lost some personnel. Congratulations, has, has called them the last couple of years. They're still pretty good. Um, but basketball, that, that, that whole section of, of the state, their sectional will be good. Uh, a team that uh, people, you know, it's a Lagodi team that people like. Without North Davies uh, in the picture, uh, opens some things up for people uh, in, in single A in that part of the state. Yeah, no doubt about that. Pretty good matchups tonight. Anything else you're going to go over this evening with your myriad of guests and all your sports conversation? We've got some, uh, we some college hoops going on. we got Purdue and Butler playing tonight. Not playing each other, but they're playing. So we've got some college basketball to talk about there's uh there's a whole lot going on tonight john let me tell you this butler butler the other night against st john's and i, I know uh, that it was going to take a minute uh, for thad to try to cobble this thing together but right. it looked like it was a pickup game in the second half at st john's it looked yeah. like a pickup game they were throwing it everywhere out of bounds off legs right. into backs and i mean it did there was a level of discombobulation that you would think even with new leadership here trying to put something together may have at least shaken a little bit of that out by the time you get to mid-january you know what struck me most was that um that, that he walks into a situation where the talent level is really not that high and you don't have, a, you know, in your first recruiting year, you, you brought in, you know, Manny Bates and, and others. But uh, you, you look at the, the disparity of talent on, on both ends of the floor, they have a long way to go in terms of, uh, you know, decreasing that margin, if you will, or, or trying to make it uh, more even in terms of their, their, their level of talent and performance. And so, 
you know, you're playing, you're on the road playing a St. John's team that's going to come after you defensively. Um, you, you have I me. Mean, Chuck Harris does what he can do. Manny Bates does what he can do. But uh, you, you don't have those playmakers that you need th- throughout your roster. Um, and so I think the rebuild is going to take a little longer than what they might think, quite frankly, unless you get real lucky. But uh, it, was, uh, it was a hard game to watch, to be honest. Yeah, Purdue, Nebraska. Purdue survived that that meeting, first meeting uh, against Nebraska. If you remember, I think I was talking to Matt Painter about it. At one point at the end of the game, Nebraska, I think, had like Moses Malone type of six offensive rebounds to extend right, one right. one possession. It was amazing, and the Boilers sidestepped that tonight at home. They should, I think, take care of business certainly. And then uh, to IU tomorrow, IU in Wisconsin. Yeah, you look at IU, especially the way they've looked in the second half against Iowa in the past two, Northwestern and Penn State. This team looks like a group that could use a little bit of life thrown into them by a high-level, high-volume, loud crowd tomorrow. I know it's more than that because it's their level of play, but they need something to juice them up because, as we saw the other night against Penn State, they were juiceless. Yeah, they were, John, and uh, it's um, you know it's a team that's underperforming without question. I mean, defensively, you know, you look at earlier in the season, uh, they're better than what they've shown the last couple of weeks. Uh, they're just in a slump. They're in a funk. I'm not sure what the explanation is. It's just that uh, you've got a situation now where you're playing a really, really difficult league. Same thing with with Butler. Uh, you have no easy ones on your schedule. No games to get healthy, so to speak. And I, and I think, um, you know, again, you know, you've got an IU group where the expectations are, are high, and understandably so. But uh, you, what they did defensively was really, really, really disappointing in terms of, uh, you know, didn't guard the ball, uh, you know, had, had no real on-ball defense to speak of, beaten on simple straight-line drives to the rim more than once. Uh, you know, simple concept of closing out shooters seems to have lost them and escaped them. And, um, you know, they paid the price for it. And so we'll see if they learn the lessons uh, in the matchup tomorrow, because if they don't, uh, you know, they're, they're in a, a dangerous situation yes. right now. Yeah. And they got to get themselves turned around rapidly. And, and I'm not necessarily confident that they can necessarily do it. So, certainly will go a long way uh, toward that if they're able to get one tomorrow. They're absolutely circling the drain. They need a helper big time at home versus Wisconsin tomorrow. Bob Lovell tonight, tomorrow night, Indiana Sports Talk. All those incredible stations that are among the Network Indiana affiliated across this great state. Tonight, tomorrow night, Bob on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline presented as always by CarX. CarX.com, 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run locations. Again, carx.com today have a great night have a great night tomorrow night we'll do it again next week bob thank you thanks thanks john thanks for having me